It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. everyone and welcome to episode 239 of the nasty cast it's me van lee and i'm your host tonight on this very special journey where we decide to undergo a mock draft for the 2021 season i what oh we could what he can't be here he can't either okay well no one managed to be able to be here so uh, let's not do that. Instead, we're going to talk Rookie of the Year. Okay, but in all seriousness, we were originally going to do a mock draft for 2021. Eric Cross was going to join us. We had uh, some technical difficulties, and Eric was unable to participate. But that's no big deal, even though I'm lying all the blame directly on him. It's fine. It's fine. No big deal. We'll just move right along. Eric, thanks. No, it totally is fine. But uh, this week, we're going to interject the dynasty baseball show episode because we discussed rookie of the year players for both the american league and national league and of course these are all guys who have played in major league baseball for this entire season so this is still relevant to you redrafters out there give it a listen we will tell you who we think deserves to win rookie of the year and how we think these players are going to perform going forward but we'll be back next week i'm going to do the mock draft then again 2021 We'll do a couple rounds, one, two, three, depending on how long it takes. It'll be myself, it'll be Ron, it'll be Eric Cross, uh, friend of the podcast, Brian Vaughn, will be making his return to the show, uh, and anyone else I can get. You know, if there's a fantasy analyst out there that you want to hear on the show because they haven't been on in a while or they haven't been on this show at all, let me know. Tweet us both. I'm sure we can try and work something out. But anyway, we'll get a couple of good pundits and players out there, do a mock draft, a way too early mock draft, and entertain your ears right off. But for now, here's Van, here's Ron, and here are Rookies of the Year. Nasty. 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 Welcome, everyone, to episode 152 of the Dynasty Baseball Show. That's right, it's the Dynasty Baseball Show because that is the most clever thing that I could come up with. I'm your host, Van Lee, and I am joined this week and every week by the man, the myth, the legend, Ron Rigney. Welcome to the show, Ron. 
Definitely a legend. Uh, speaking of legends, the, the Rays won again tonight, so I believe their record is now 31-17. and 17. Uh, Excited about that for sure. Way more excited about the real baseball season than I am my fantasy season. I don't know if you've ever seen that gif of, of the, the dumpster and it's just floating down the street when it's raining and that flood and the dumpster happens yeah. to be on fire. If there yeah. was like three of those in a row, that would almost be as bad as my fantasy season has been. But at least I have the saving grace of the fact that my Rays are, are getting it done in this shortened season. But also, too, you know, we got a couple of Blue Jays fans in, in the Slack channel. It's almost as fulfilling to see the Jays uh, ahead of the Yankees and see the Yankees there at third. Almost as fun as seeing my Rays be at the top there. But it's kind of cool to see see that all going down for sure. Yeah, it is. It is above everything else. It has been a frustrating fantasy season for, I would say, a majority of people. I think there's the person winning in your league, and that's it. No one else mm-hmm. is really, uh, really doing as, as well as they possibly could be. Uh, but in real life, baseball has been awesome. Even though I'm an Angels fan and you said the Rays are 31 and 17, I'm certain the Angels are 17 and 31. They're that bad. But Mike Trout, again, putting up one yeah. of the best seasons we've seen in this short period, well, that, leading, leading homers and everything. That, that brings me into a question. And I saw somebody post this the other day, and you, you're my resident Angels fan, so I want to ask you if you feel the same way. Somebody on Twitter made reference to the fact that they almost think it is more – worthwhile as a fan to see Mike Trout and sacrifice the fact that the team's not doing well. Would you rather see your team win and do well, or would you rather see the the greatness that is Mike Trout? Okay, that was well, a really interesting point. Here's the, the thing I'll say about that. Do you know what the most exciting season of baseball for me in my life was? It was 2002 when the Angels won the World Series. Do you remember any Angels on that team? There, It was Troy Gloss was, <laughs> was like the main say, guy. Tim Salmon. Tim Salmon. Okay, Tim in the Salmon, twilight of his career. Um, but I, I, I only honestly, when you say them, I remember them. But if I had to think of more than those two off the top of my head, it would be very, very difficult. So that season was the best because we had a great year. We won the World Series. This is pains me to say. Mike Trout is awesome. He's the best player in baseball. Probably the best we've ever seen or may ever see. But I would rather see a winning team than one superstar possibly put up an elite game. Because if I see two games a year, I might see two 0 for 8s for Mike Trout, even though he has an MVP caliber season. Whereas even if I see a loss, it's going to be probably a hard-fought one in a great season and, and so on and so forth. So I think I would lean that direction. But that is an interesting question. I like that. Mm-hmm. On today's show, we're going to be discussing the Rookies of the Year maybe picking our favorites for each of the league, but we'll talk about a handful of guys that are in both leagues that are putting up some awesome numbers, and we'll determine if, if this is what we expect from them going forward now they're at the majors, if there's improvement to be had, so on and so forth. But first, let's get some housekeeping out of the way. You can follow the show and us on Twitter at Fantrax Dynasty, at Manly Van Lee, and at The Real Ma Day. If you prefer to email us a question as opposed to tweet at us or follow us, you can reach us at nastytrackspods at gmail.com. And of course, you can support the show by leaving us a rate or review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And then finally, if you really like the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash nasty pod and a donation of just a dollar or more per month will get you access to our Slack channel where Ron, myself, Eric, even Nate, former co-host Nate, is involved with the group. We talk baseball. We talk goofy stuff. It's, it's a good group of guys. You also get access to bonus shows older content, all kinds of awesome stuff via Patreon. 
and it helps to support the show. So thank you to everyone who is supporting us, and thank you to everyone who will support us going forward. Let's talk some rookies of the year, Ron. Uh, let's just dive right into the AL first. I'm going to talk about the guy who is uh, your darling, I would say, more than just about anything else, Jesus Lazardo. You were very high on Lazardo. I wasn't quite as high as uh, you and Nate was, but I thought he was going to be a pretty good pitcher this year. Then the shortened season happened, and he got hurt, and I thought, well, he's not going to put up any innings. Well, guess what? He's put up innings. 50 innings, 4.32 ERA, 9.36 K per nine, and a 2.52 walks per nine. So pretty solid performance. Maybe not uh, mind-blowing, but pretty good. Uh, Ron, are you impressed with what Lazardo has done this year? Do you think he could have been better? Do you think he gets better? I definitely think he gets better. I'm still all in on him. It's just good to see him finally being out there, being able to put up some innings. You know, in this shortened season, he's got 50 innings out there. You know, he did deal with an injury early on. He's had a few hiccups here and there. I'd like to see the ERA come down a little bit. But the the one thing that is kind of a saving grace about the ERA is that the FIP that he has at 4.48 is not too far off from that 4.32 ERA. So I, I do think that he, I do think it's fixable. Um, I'd like to see the walks come down a little bit. I like the fact that he's striking almost 10 guys per nine innings out. It's nice to see him up there. You know, too, he's got a BABIP over 300 as well. It'd be nice to kind of see that come down also. But it seems like that Oakland is pretty good at developing a lot of these guys. You know, and it's especially good to see him out there, you know, because I know Van Uren, AJ Puck, AJ Puck guy. I don't have him a lot of places, but I do like AJ Puck. And he hasn't done squat for us. And, you know, he's one of those guys that I think it, so a lot of people are jumping off the bandwagon if they're able to. So it's kind of nice to see Lazardo do that. I, I want to see Lazardo in a full off-season, spring training, regular season type scenario. And I think that's when you can really truly judge what he's going to be, which I think he's going to be very good. And I think he's done fine. I mean, remember, this is a 22-year-old kid mm-hmm. playing Major League Baseball against Major League Baseball players. So this is fine. I, uh, in a normal year or I guess ages ago before information was quite as prevalent as it is now, I would look at what he's done and think, yes, this is going to tamper his costs going into next year. It's going to be a buying opportunity because I do believe he's better than what he's done. I don't think that's the case because I think a lot of people still understand how good he potentially could be. They'll see that BABIP and they'll think, okay, there's some improvement to be had here. And I think he does it. So it's a great showing for him. We'll see if he could win rookie of the year or not. Uh, But overall, I think it was pretty nice to see that he put up some innings and put up some good ones too. Moving to the hitting side of things, Kyle Lewis is slashing 295, 390, 494 with 10 home runs and three stolen bases so far this year. Now, Lewis took that interesting career path where he was a top prospect who fell because of some issues with injuries, blew out his knee very, very badly, missed quite a big chunk of time. But here he is in the majors a few years later, and he's just flat out hitting. Uh, let's see, 26.7% strikeout rate, which is quote unquote too high, but it's a hell of a lot better than what it has been in years past. And I think if he can sustain that, he could be, well, he could keep up this production as, as somewhat sustainable. The walks are up. He's at 13.9% walk rate. Overall, I think we're, I, I still don't think he's a safe bet for batting average, but I think he's a good hitter and I think he's going to continue hitting for power and as long as maybe he gets a little bit fortunate, that batting average won't really kill you. And then the big takeaway here, too, is he's stolen a couple of bases. He's stolen three bases this year, three bases last year, hasn't been caught this year at all. 
And although that bulky knee, I'm sure, will give him trouble going forward, I don't think he's a zero in stolen bases anymore, and that's just a nice little perk to have. So what about you, Ron? Do you like Kyle Lewis to keep up this production, or do you think he could fall off or get better? I, well, I think that, you know, we, we talked a lot about him, and I think one of the things that you just have to take with him is the strikeout rate is going to be kind of high, but I love to see that walk rate at almost 14 as well, and you can tolerate uh, you know, that 25, 26% K rate when you have a walk rate that's that high. BABIP is, is way, way up there, 368. And, and the thing about his slash line, too, is heading into the game yesterday, he was in an 8 for 55 slump, and he's still got a 290, 295, 394, 94 slash. So that tells you right there how good he has been. And if he's able to fall a little bit and still, you know, have that. So, 25 years old it seems like he's been around for ages and ages it seems like every offseason in the last for the last 10 years we've talked about him we talk about the Mariners uh, prospects but it's very cool to see I think you might see a little dip in the average I think the slash line the, the average wise I think the slash line is going to be a little better or a little closer to last year's maybe the OBP might be it's going to be a little bit higher if he can keep that that walk rate I think he might be more of an OBP asset if you're looking at him from an average and OBP standpoint but I'm like you it's great to see with the bulky knees it's great to see him have the three steals um, when you go back through his career in the minors and the majors he doesn't have more than three steals in any season so he's matched that already uh, you know he could be a guy that you could be a safe bet for a solid average solid OBP 25 30 home runs and maybe 10 to 12 steals I think that's pretty good considering, you know, he's going to help you out in a lot of categories considering a lot of people thought he was done for after he blew the knee out. Yeah, definitely. And the one thing to keep in mind here too, is that this is not a nobody prospect coming into some success. This is a guy who he went 11th overall in the 2016 amateur draft, but he was being bandied about as going potentially first overall near the top of that until some injury stuff kind of started cropping up. So this is a pedigree. So if as long as he continues achieving that pedigree, there's chance for some stardom here for sure. Speaking of stardom, we also have Luis Robert, who is slashing 255, 318, 509 with 11 homers and six stolen bases. Uh, the big question with Robert was, what will the batting average be? How bad will the strikeouts be, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, 31.1% strikeout rate, so still a little bit too high. But Ron, do you think he's performing to expectations, or do you think there's uh, a little bit of disappointment to be had with what he's done based on where he was drafted, and do you think he'll get better? I think counting stats-wise, I think he's fine. I think he's doing exactly what you thought he was going to do with the 11 homers, the 29 runs, 28 RBIs, 6 steals. Obviously, the 31, you know, he's kind of the opposite of what we talked about with uh, Kyle Lewis as far as the K rate and, this, and, the, and the walk rate. His walk rate's at only, only at 8.3. K rate's up over 30. But if he's still giving you those counting stats, I guess you can kind of swallow that a little bit. 255, 318, 509 slash. I think there's still a little bit – there's going to be a little bit of improvement as far as uh, average and OBP. I think he's a, way, he's a better hitter than what he's showing uh, just overall. But he is giving you that pop that you wanted. He is giving you that, that those RBIs that you wanted. You know, he was, I think, the minor league player of the year last year, if I remember right. So um, I, I think he's and – he, and he's one of the reasons the Sox have a, have a chance at this thing as well. You know, they're playing over their heads a little bit. And, uh, you know, along with – you know, the other youngsters that they brought up. But I, I, I like him a lot. I mean, how could you not, not with the pedigree that he's got? I think he only gets better from here, but also, too, I think the average and OBP get better as well. I do think he gets better. I think he's going to be a monster as far as fantasy numbers, i.e. home runs, runs, RBI, stolen bases. 
I do think this is kind of what he's going to evolve into as a batting average hitter. I'm not necessarily sold he's going to be a 300 hitter or, mm-hmm. or 280 hitter or whatever it may be. I think he's probably close to this. The one I'll look at, the player I'll look at is Carlos Gomez, who had a, a similar kind of skill set, power, speed, struck out a little bit too much. Uh, although Gomez didn't quite walk as much as um, Robert is going to walk. But Gomez had a couple of seasons where he hit 280, 290, but for the most part was a, a lesser batting average hitter, and I think that's what Robert's going to settle in as. But I do think we're going to see some 40 home run seasons. I think we could see some 20 to 30 stolen base years if he just goes nuts. Overall, he's going to be a fantasy darling going forward. And, I mean, I guess you can be disappointed with this, but you really can't. I mean, he's a 21 or 23-year-old kid, and he's playing great baseball. So, yeah, like what he's done so far this year. Nick Solak is next up on our list. And Solak, playing for the Rangers, has hit 262, 317, 351 with just two home runs and four stolen bases. Now, obviously, we've had a little bit of a talent level fall off here based on your Roberts and I guess you'll even say even your Lewis's, but definitely your Lizardos. So maybe the expectations were quite a bit lower here for Solak. But is he having a good enough year based on what you would expect, Ron? With that batting average a little bit lower than I would have expected, but everything else, how does it look? Uh, I think it's overall fine. I mean, we talked about him being one of our favorite deep sleepers, you know, in the offseason. And I think for no more than you paid for him in your drafts, which I, in the drafts I did, you definitely didn't overpay for Nick Solak. I, I think he's doing fine. I would like to see a, f- a few more homers than the two that he does have. I think we pegged him for a little bit more than that. But I think he's kind of right where he's going to be as far as everything else, as far as average, as far as OBP. The, the strikeouts are fairly low. They're under 20%, walking 7.5% of the time. And he's got you a handful of steals. He's got a couple seasons in the minors where he put together 21 and 13 stolen base years. So I, I think for no more than you paid for him going into this season, I, I think he's fine with what he's doing. Maybe a little light on the on the home run power, but overall, I think you got to like what you're getting. I think it's fine. I also just think it's not that interesting. Uh, yeah, you didn't pay a whole lot for Solak, but a lot of people are in on him as being this huge breakout candidate. And you can't have a breakout candidate that slugs 351. And that's just what he's done. And also, the stolen bases aren't phenomenal. They're fine with four in 186 plate appearances. So I guess he's on pace for maybe 15-ish or so in a regular season, which again is fine, but people pegged him for a potential 20-plus stolen base threat, and I just don't think he's that. So it's okay. It's just not that exciting in this case for the 25-year-old, in my opinion. Last guy on the list for the American League is Christian Javier with the uh, Houston Astros. I couldn't think of the city for some reason. And Javier has put up 44 and two-thirds innings, a 3-2-2 ERA, 8.46 K per nine, and 3.22 walks per nine. Uh, Rob, do you think this is uh, – I did it. I called you Rob. It's the first one. It's only the one, first one, though. Well, it's also bad because we recorded the launch angle today on a Tuesday when we don't normally do that. So, Ron, is Christian Javier someone that you ended up with any shares in? Uh, did you expect this coming into this year? And how has his performance been, in your opinion, so far? Uh, I mean, we definitely kind of joked about what the options were as far as what Houston had to kind of choose from. And we definitely did not. I don't think we saw this coming because I don't think that we I think we thought that they would go out and try to make some sort of a move. They didn't really do anything. And and any time a team, especially the one, you know, that's going through what the Astros are going through, love them or hate them, you know, they gave up some draft picks. They weren't able to add guys like they, they had wanted to. 
So, I mean, I think he's fine. I think he's a, he's a fine, you know, he's been one of the things that if you took a chance on this season and you threw it against the wall, it actually worked out for you. He definitely outplayed Josh James. I mean, Josh James days are, are long gone over done with. So I think he's carved himself out of a role in that rotation. I don't know how he's not done that, especially kind of coming out of nowhere, giving him the innings he's given him. And he's been pretty consistent as well. He hasn't really had too many blowups here and there, but I think overall he's fine. I think he's a nice mid mid add to your rotation if you need him. But I, I don't know beyond that if, if, if that's going to really make him shoot up any draft boards next year. But he might be an interesting guy later on next year. Yeah, he'll be a guy who gets some innings. I think he's certainly earned that as far as going into next season, unless the Astros pick up a whole bunch of young or more pitchers, I should say, and I don't see that happening in this offseason either. But he's been great for the people who've drafted him or picked him up off the waiver wire with that 3-2-2 ERA. The other ERA metrics paints a little bit of a, a different picture, though. Let's see. Phipps says 508. XFIP 5.12, Sierra, I'm trying to find 4.67. So all the ERA estimators say he's gotten pretty lucky, and I'm inclined to believe that, even though it's a small sample size. Arsenal-wise, he's fastball, changeup, curveball, slider, I believe. Fastball, slider, curveball, changeup, yeah. Uh, but none of them are particularly excellent. The fastball is 92.2 miles per hour, so it's not going to blow anyone away. So I don't foresee... You know, this guy really being a three ERA guy, I think the ERA is going to go up quite a bit, but I do think he'll put up some innings and be just a pretty meh pitcher. And unfortunately, in this day and age, that's plenty valuable. So anytime you're seeing a guy put up innings where the ERA doesn't kill you, it's worth it. So, yeah, good uh, good for him. It's always great to see these crop up guys like this who just suddenly we'll talk about when it comes to rookie of the year time. But with those six names on the list, Ron, who is your pick for the AL Rookie of the Year? I'll go first, since I'm just kind of springing this on you real quick. I'm going to actually go into Kyle Lewis here. It was potentially going to be Robert, but the problem I I have with that is it's just that batting average sink has, has hurt his number so much more than anything that has happened to Kyle Lewis and the OBP is significantly higher for Lewis as well. So I think they're putting up, you know, similar fantasy production. Robert has a couple more stolen bases, but Lewis's season overall has been just that much better. So it's not a huge gap, but I would give Kyle Lewis my vote today. I I, I can't fault you there at all. Um, I'm going to give mine to Lewis Robert just because he, you know, kind of like you said, he does have similar stats to, what Kyle Lewis has, the average is the average in OBP are lower. Does have one more homer? Does have a few more steals? But also, I think you got to look at the fact that he's one of the reasons the Sox are still kind of thinking they have a chance at this this late in the season. The Mariners have have not really been in it for a while, so the, you know Kyle Lewis is doing it, but it's just not contributing to uh, you know a playoff push. And Lewis Lewis Robert is doing that, so I think that kind of separates them. Although, like I said, I can't really argue with Kyle Lewis either. All right, so that's going to do it for the American League. Let's take a quick break here. When we get back, we will discuss the National League. Nasty. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. 
Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the show. I'm Van Lee alongside Ron Rigney, and it's time to discuss the National League Rookie of the Year candidates. And we'll lead off with the Dodgers pitcher, the very redheaded Dustin May, who has a 41 and two-thirds innings pitch this year, a 2.81 ERA, 6.05 K per nine, and 2.16 walks per nine. Ron, ooh, almost did it again. How do you feel about Dustin May and his performance this year plus going forward? Would he be a target of yours next season? I think so. I, I definitely like him a lot. I'd love to see the K per nine be a lot higher than six. I, I, that's something that I think if that continues to be a trend the rest of the season, I think it might hurt his stock a little bit. But when you look through his numbers throughout the minors, he's not going to be a huge strikeout guy, but I'd love to see him at least at that, you know, that 8.3 that he posted at the end of last year. But I think overall things look good. I love the strand rate that's almost at 90%. The only problem is, you know, when you compare ERA to FIP, ERA 2.81, FIP's got him at 4.52. So that means he hasn't really pitched as well as what his ERA says. So maybe he's the big, you know, maybe he's gotten a little bit of good luck there. Also, 250 BABIP helps you out quite a bit as well. But one thing that concerns me a little bit is the homers. Homer sitting at 1.3 per nine innings. That's got to come down quite a bit for him to be a consistently uh, looked upon guy in that rotation. But I, I think he I think he gets a spot. Obviously, he's one of their top prospects. I do like him long term. I like his profile long term, like his stuff long term. I just want to see maybe a couple more strikeouts per game. 17.6% home run per fly ball rate. He's a fly ball guy, so that's just kind of going to happen. But uh, I think he's slightly better than that. Overall, I think he's performed just fine, particularly considering considering how the Dodgers have kind of shuffled or, and done their Dodgerly things. So I think there's upside to be had here, but I want to caution because I don't think Dustin May's upside is that of even Jesus Lazardo or your other aces. I think he's merely going to be a pretty good pitcher. And even in his best strikeout years, uh, accepting those really, really low-level le years. He wasn't really that much of a strikeout guy. He had a 9.76 rate in nearly eight in innings in AA in 2019, but he followed that up with 27 innings of 7.9 K per nine in AAA, and then an 8.31 mark last year in 34 and two-thirds innings. So he's just not a strikeout artist. That said, if you get Zach Grinke light here, and I mean light, as in he's not going to be nearly as good as Zach Grinke, but he's going to cost significantly less, I think you have to be happy with that. Uh, 6.05K per nine, that's going to actively harm you, but it should go up to something, I think, slightly more reasonable over a full season. So it's a nice little uh, season here for Dustin May. Hopefully he gets a full-time rotation spot going forward and the 23-year-old continues to get better. Next up in the National League, we're going to talk Jake Cronenworth, who kind of came from out of nowhere. Now he's with the Padres, and he's put up four home runs, three stolen bases, and a 329, 388, 562 slash line for the Friars. Uh, Ron, what do you think? Do you like Jake Cronenworth? Do you think there's more to be had here? What kind of player do you think he is overall? 
I, I think you've got to like it. I mean, he's got a couple of seasons there in the minors where he's he's not a, not big on power. He did hit double digits for uh, the Rays in AAA last year, hit 10 homers, but it took him 406 plate appearances to do so. So he's not going to be knocking the cover off the ball. But as you look down his numbers, got respectable batting average on you know most levels where he's had a pretty decent sample size, but really kind of came out, like I said, at AAA last year, you know, the 10 homers. 45 RBIs, scored 75 times, swiped 12 bags. But I think the biggest thing is there, walked at a 15% rate like he is this year. Or, I'm sorry, struck out at a 15% rate and walking at an 8% rate. And I think that's, you know, one of the telltale signs. And two, you know, the, the, the average in OBP department, you know, he's he's played 43 games, 152 plate appearances. He's done it for the majority of this season. I think you got to like it. He's a little bit on the older side as far as, you know, rookies or prospects. He is 26. But – you know, not not me tooting my team's own horn here, but he does come from the Rays, who are you know we we know their mo, we know that they draft these guys low, uh, and and they get the most out of them, and they're able to flip them and, and trade for things that they need, and that's kind of what happened here. And yet again, just like I said with Lewis Robert, Jake Cronenworth is arguably you know we know what Fernando Tatis has done this season, but Jake Cronenworth is 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 very very instrumental in what the Padres are doing, and I don't know if they you know did, are they as big a contenders if they don't have Jake Cronenworth having the season he's had. So I think he's very valuable. Um, I, I don't know necessarily if I see him as, as a 329, 388 OBP guy, but I do think that there is a lot of potential there for a, a average, I'd say, to high 280s, 290s pretty consistently. Here's the thing. When the Rays around the trade deadline or whenever they make moves and they trade their 16th best prospect to somewhere, that prospect is now like the second best prospect in whatever system they've gone to. You pretty much just have to say, oh, Cronenworth was, you know, just some random race prospect. Well, it turns out it's actually kind of a good baseball player. And I buy it for the most part, 152 plate appearances. So if we extrapolate that out to 600, so four times what he's done, that's 16 home runs and 12 stolen bases. Obviously a batting average that good with that kind of power and speed blend is obscenely valuable. So, I think he's a pretty good player. The 373 BABIP says that there's probably some correction coming in batting average, but not that much because he's going to be a high BABIP guy no matter what, just based on how he plays. So uh, like you said, I could see 280 being the floor. I uh, He could easily hit that every year. And in this day and age, that's still going to provide you tremendous value in the batting average. So I like it. My fear is that a lot of people think he's kind of trendy. Like you see his name bandied on fantasy baseball Twitter all the time. It's just a trendy pick. And I'm afraid it's going to be the guy that everyone picks in the off season. Like, Oh, here's, here's my dude. If Nate were to do it, uh, it just whatever their thing was, they anoint this player that they're super buy, And then suddenly the price gets inflated through the roof and it's just no longer worth it. I think that could happen with Cronenworth, but depending on where he ends up, he could be a really nice uh, little buy at whatever cost it could be. Next up on the list, we'll go to the pitching side of things with Sixto Sanchez, a show favorite. He has put up 32 innings, a 169 ERA, 8.16 K per nine, and a 1.41 walks per nine. I'll talk Sanchez first here. The book on him has always been he's a good prospect and a good player, and when he plays, he's going to be good, but he's always had injury issues because of his his size. He's a tiny, tiny guy. He's listed at six foot 185, and I don't think that's necessarily accurate. So... Really, what you've seen here is him being healthy, and that's exactly what he's done this year, with the exception now, because I believe he's hurt, and he's put up good numbers, and I fully believe that he can continue putting up good numbers if he's healthy. 
I don't necessarily like the strikeouts being below 9K per 9. That's usually my baseline for if I really like a guy or not. But the walks at 141 are tremendous, and I believe his command is just that good. So I think there are really, really good things to come. And uh, we were talking about it on the Launch Angle podcast a couple weeks ago. Someone said, I can't wait to overpay for Sixto Sanchez next year. And I think that's exactly what it's going to be. There's going to be someone who buys so much that they they take him at a real early cost. But here's the thing. It could pan out, and it likely will if he stays healthy. That's a big if. So that's my big caution here is that he's a guy who's usually hurt. If he's hurt, uh, be wary. But if he's healthy, I think he's going to pitch well. What do you think of Sanchez uh, and what he's done so far, Ron? Well, it's always fun. And I think that's one of the most fun things, you know, with the shortened season. There's a lot to like about this season from just a baseball standpoint. But it's cool to see these guys that we have talked about so long on here that we've stashed away on these dynasty teams finally come up and give you something and kind of pan out to what you what you expected them to be. I'm with you. I want to see the K per nine higher. But when you look at his career, he's never been above nine Ks per nine. He's always kind of maxed out at that eight, eight and a half range. So that's kind of what he's become. Maybe when he gets to the majors and figures it out and figures his stuff out and how to work counts and you know how to pick spots, maybe you see that tick up a little bit. But I love the combination of the allowing less than one homer per nine and the 93% strand rate. That means he's, if he allows the guys on base, they're not going anywhere and he's not you know lobbing those softballs in there that a guy's going to hit out and hit a two or three run homer. So I, I love to see that. 1.69 ERA, that's a little bit misleading. Fifth sit at 3.26, but nonetheless – it is fun to see him, and he's another. You know, we talked about Cronenworth with the Padres. You know, we joked a few weeks ago about the 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 Marlins being like three and one or something and leading the division. Well, they're still in the mix. They're twenty two, twenty four, and twenty two. They're right right in there, and they've played well. They've gotten some decent performances from some of their pitchers. They they've gotten some solid offense from some guys. You know, a couple of retreads, a couple of their youngsters. So it's cool to see this all kind of come full circle, and it's always cool to see these teams come out come out of nowhere. And, and be in the thick of it as we, we kind of wind this thing down. My favorite thing that happened with the Marlins this year is uh, they're performing well, they're playing well, they are got a good record, they're looking pretty good. And Isan Diaz, who opted out early in the season, says, you know what, I kind of like what they're doing. I think I'm going to play baseball <laughs> I'm again. Back. And he came back. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting to me. The motors. Well, I want to point Maybe out, they were pure, but who knows? I want to point out too that the the Marlins are seventeen and ten on the road as well, which I think that's pretty impressive. So if you like get that. them away from that hideous monster stadium, then yeah. they play. Well, well. See, I think they brought back the weird dolphin thing this the year. Thing. So maybe that's maybe they're scared. Maybe all these new players <laughs> don't know how to how to take it. So maybe they're scared of it and they want to get the hell out of there and play somewhere else that they feel safer. Could be it. That's, the scarecrow for baseball players. It's just that thing in, in the outfield for the Marlins. Okay, moving on to the next guy on the list for the National League. We're going to talk Mauricio Dubon, a guy you had some high hopes for this year. So tell us what Dubon has done. I'll give us stats here. 281, 328, 377, two homers, two steals, and 127 plate appearances. Uh, is is this what you're expecting? Do you think there there's upside? What do you think overall? Um, he's another guy that's a little on the older side as far as a rookie, as far as a prospect, 26 years old. But definitely a guy that, that I've been on for, for quite a few years now. And I would have I would have thought there'd be a little bit more speed there. Was hoping for more than two stolen bases. But I, I think yet again, kind of like with, with Jake Cronenworth, you didn't pay a whole lot for Mauricio Dubon if you were drafting and in a redraft, you got him super, super late. Yeah, the thing I liked about him is I believe he had shortstop and second base eligibility, you know, so it made him a little bit more flexible. But he started out super, super slow. He was almost to the point where I, I think it might have been TGFBI. Uh, maybe my 19 teamer, I was getting ready to drop him. 
and I and I ended up having an injury where I needed to pop him in, so I put him in. Luckily, I didn't because he, you know, he's been one of the bright spots as far as batting average. I like to see the OBP a little higher. I like to see that walk rate a little bit higher than six. Never was really all that high in the minors, but I think there's still a little bit of room for him to grow um, in this Giants lineup. You know, he he has won a starting job, so he's going to be in the lineup just about every day. But I, I think average wise, he's kind of, and OBP wise, he's kind of where we thought he would be. Not a super big guy, so we're not expecting a lot of pop here. But the only thing that's been kind of a disappointment, like I said, is the stolen bases. And since the 15th of August, that was just an arbitrary date I picked, he's hitting 323, 392, 431, uh, one home run, two stolen bases. So most of his production has come virtually over the last 30 calendar days, month or so. He's fine, in, in my opinion. I think he's a guy that you don't necessarily set out at the beginning of your draft to be like, oh, I've got to get Dubon on my team. But if you wind up with him, you're probably plenty happy with what you get. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a superstar in any regards, but he's going to be solid. And, and batting average is important this day and age. So a guy who can hit for a decent average, and I think he can, is going to have some value at the very least. Might be a guy that hits the waivers once or twice a season, but overall, whoever owns him at whatever time, if you ask them how they feel, they're probably like, oh, yeah, it's fine. He's plugging a hole. He's doing great. Like, no one's going to get more excited than that, but no one's going to be really disappointed. So, yeah, good bright spot for the Giants for sure. Definitely agree with that. Finally on our list for the National League, guy I was pretty high on coming into the year, Alec Bohm. And Alec Bohm has slashed 318, 369, 482 with three home runs. And... He's doing exactly what I thought he would do. He's hitting really, really well. The problem is he only has 122 plate appearances because the Phillies took a while to call him up. I think if they had called him up earlier in the season, he could be my choice for rookie of the year. Spoiler alert, he won't be just because he hasn't had the bulk. But uh, batting average is a little inflated because of a 381 Babbitt, but he's not going to be a real drain on batting average anyway. I am shocked to see the strikeouts go to, up to the extent that they have. Usually if you see a five or t- 10 point jump in career strikeout rate and someone's changed their profile, something's not wrong. You'll at least see more home runs. Like they're selling out for power. I haven't really seen that with just the three home runs. So time will tell if that negatively impacts him. It clearly isn't right now. But uh, 20.5% is fine. If that's the max, I'm totally okay with that. But overall, plenty happy with what Bohm has done. And I do believe he'll be maybe not a superstar, but he'll be a star going forward. What do you think, Ron? Well, I don't have any shares of him. So I'm, I'm kind of looking here. Is he playing first base or third base for, for the Phillies? He I has it, played a majority of third ways. base. Okay, so... I said the roster resource has him listed as a first baseman. I saw that a couple of places, but yeah, offensively yet again, a guy that, you know, if you had him, you like to see him get called up. Um, it, it's, it's kind of crazy to have these many guys named Alec making as many headlines in baseball. That's not something we see every day, but you know, he was one, he was probably the top prospect in the system or one of the top prospects in the system. And I, I, th- I think he's just fine. And, you know, like you said, I think if he'd have been called up sooner, I think he still would have had the same success that he had you know, that he's having made it to double a last year was impressive in double a 269, 344, 500 slash there, 14 bombs. So that, that was kind of his calling card. That's what, what we kind of thought he was going to do. So, you know, I know you were on him quite a bit guy that I was not lucky enough to have in any of my dynasty leagues, but it's cool to see him come up and have some success. And I think he's definitely carved out a role. I, I think they figure something out that infield too. I think, didn't they sign Didi Gregorius just to a one year deal? I think he's only around for this year. I believe so. I'm not 100% positive, but I'm pretty sure it's that yeah. or maybe a two year, but I think it's just but, one. 
but I think it makes it makes those decisions that they have to make as far as their their infield and where to put people a little bit easier now that they see that Alec Baum is up and he's here to stay and he's doing what he's doing offensively. For sure. All right, those are our five names for the National League. I'll let you lead off this one, Ron. Who is your pick of those for the Rookie of the Year? Um, I think I got to give it to Sixto Sanchez just because, you know, a lot of the reasons I gave it to Lewis Robert is, you know, the, the Marlins were laughed at heading into this season. They were laughed at as the season started. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're not being laughed at as much anymore. They're putting a solid little season together. And I don't think that they're going to ultimately make the playoffs. Who knows? They could surprise, you know, it is 2020. We've seen straight a lot stranger things this year than them making the playoffs. But I think he's a big part of that. You know, he's pitched 32 innings. Hasn't been super, super uh, great as far as strikeouts, but he has been solid enough in his debut that, you know, and only making it to double A in the minors as well, coming from double A, uh, his highest level last year to the majors and having the success he's having. I think that he's been pretty instrumental in what they've done, and I think he's the one that's most deserving of it. It's a good pick. Uh, I'm going to do what I always do in lean hitting. I'm not confident necessarily about this one. I think the NL is much more of a coin flip or toss mm-hmm. up than the AL is. I think the AL is a little more straightforward, in my opinion. But I am going to lean with Jake Cronenworth here. Reason being is just because of how good the Padres have been combined with how good he's been. Uh, I tend to say that the bulk of pitching may not be as valuable as the bulk of hitting. I think I'm being challenged pretty heavily on that by the fact that it's so hard to find pitching anywhere. That said, I'm still going to lean hitting at heart whenever I make these decisions, and that just is what gives me Cronenworth. So I I think you could make a case for Dustin May because he has 10 more innings than Sixto Sanchez. I think you make a case for Sanchez because he's got a better ERA. He's been better. Uh, But overall, I think it's those three guys for the most part in the mix, and I will take Cronenworth. So there we go, Cronenworth. Lewis, uh, Robert, and Sixto Sanchez are our picks for Rookie of the Year this season. Uh, Before we get out of here, there sure was something I was going to ask. Give me a second to think about what that was. (laughs) About rookies. Okay, I got it. So before we get out of here, let me ask this. We've got a good crop of rookies here. This is a list with uh, 11 names or whatever of players who could arguably be included in the rookie of the year chase and their impactful numbers in the past. We would see like five, 10 years ago, you'd see one guy put up, I don't know, 550 plate appearances as a rookie. And then the next closest guy would be 50 or set or hundred, whatever it is to break the, the threshold. There just weren't that many rookies being called up, but with the game played the way it is now, I think this is a good amalgamation of what it will look like at the end of the year when looking at uh, rookies for both of the leagues. There are just so many more impact rookies that come into it. Do you agree with that? Do you think that this is a fluky year or what do you, what do you believe here overall with the, uh, the rookie uh, performances? I think that the, uh, I think most of them are very close to being what you can expect from a lot of these guys. And I think that this is a, you know, I think the season was almost kind of a blessing in a way for the for those rookies and for those guys that, you know, a lot of them we may not have seen, you know, called up as soon. And, you know, when you're looking at proportionally where we're at as far as in the season, I think that allowed it, you know, with, with whether it being guys go, go, have them go out for COVID or they opted out or just the player pool being bigger. I think it allowed some of these guys to get that chance maybe a little sooner than they had 
Um, and, and you're right. There are a lot of these guys that are making huge impacts. I mean, you look at, you know, yet again, Lewis Robert and Sixto Sanchez. Are there teams where they – and Jake Cronenworth. Are there teams where they are at right now without those guys? I think you can make a pretty strong argument. Maybe the Padres might have been able to pull it off, but I think you can make a pretty strong argument that the Sox and the, and the Marlins probably wouldn't be where they are right now had not been for those guys getting called up and performing the way that they have had, they have performed this season. And it has just been an exciting year as far as rookies go. And the last couple admittedly have been that way. But like I said, I think this is a precursor of what's to come. You're going to start seeing five, six, seven guys who logically could be included in the rookie of the year chat just because they've impacted the game to such a degree that uh, that it warrants it. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. couple notes. Uh, next week, I know for sure on the Nasty Cast, we will be doing a mock draft for the 2021 first couple of rounds. I believe Eric Cross will be joining us, a good friend of the podcast, Brian Vaughn. Maybe some other people will rustle up. We'll see. So that is definitely something you might want to stay tuned for. Next week, as far as the Dynasty show, we might have a, a fun or a singular topic couple of shows here for a few weeks. Probably take a week, maybe two weeks off once uh, baseball's finished. And then we're going to have to dive right into our um, system reviews for each uh, minor league system for the teams because uh, it always takes a long time and we're going to have to chug through all 30 teams. So keep in mind that will be starting up here within a few weeks. So thanks again for tuning in. For Ron, for Eric, for Brian, for anyone who listens and everyone who participates, I'm Van and we will catch you next time on the Dynasty Baseball Show. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.